You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. Hi there, my name is Rick Hill. I work for PCI as their Discipleship Development Officer and it's really good to be joined with you in this way over the next couple of Sundays. Uh, I'm aware I would have loved to be joining with you in person. I've, I've really enjoyed being at Union Road in the past, but I'm still thankful for the opportunity to share with you over these couple of Harvest Sundays as we begin to look to God's Word for inspiration and instruction. I suppose normally at this time of the year, we are drawing the words Bible passages about fruitfulness and fields, about growing crops and about gathering grain, about harvest and about thanksgiving. And I have fond memories of singing hymns about plowing the fields, scattering good seed and bringing in the sheaves every single year as I grew up as a Christian. And I have several farmers within my wider family and so I so appreciate the lens that this time of year gives us as Christians. And so it's normal for me to turn to John chapter 15 and preach on the vine and the branches. It's pretty normal for me to reflect on some of Jesus' parables about agriculture and and seed and harvest. But as you well know, this has been a year like no other. And so rather than reflect today on maybe more traditional images of harvest, of growth and abundance and fruitfulness... I've been rather more drawn this year to images in the Bible that are slightly less positive. How do we continue to worship God, not just when the harvest has been good, but also when the times have been hard? How do we develop a theology and a picture and an understanding of God, not just during crop-filled fields in our lives, but also in times where it feels like we're living in desolate lands. And so this week, I want to share a message that is certainly not the usual harvest sermon that you might have heard before. But I guess it felt right for the times that we're in. And, and, And of course, next week, we will pick up some much more common harvest themes as we consider one of Jesus' teachings about seed time and harvest. But for today, Go with me as we open Exodus chapter 3 and read the first six verses and consider a slightly different theme for this harvest. So let me read from Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 to 6. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was in fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. Amen. 
Over the last few months, as a family, we've really embraced the outdoors. We've taken more walks than ever before and enjoyed exploring various forests and mountains and trails. Recently, we were walking in a forest and we came across a section of the forest that had been recently cut down. What used to be hundreds and hundreds of trees was now a wide open space with absolutely nothing left in its place. But interestingly, right next to this area that had been deliberately removed were a number of trees that seemed to have fallen down all by themselves. These were trees that looked to me like they had stood for some time, decades, but suddenly they had fallen around the same time as the other trees around them. So, was it just a coincidence? Was it just a coincidence that these trees that had been sheltered for years by the other trees around them had fallen? Or was it because they had been protected by these other trees over the years and found from them and gained from them vital nutrients from their root systems? Was it that they hadn't needed to develop strength because they were surrounded by other strong trees around them? But whenever those things were stripped away, they suddenly find themselves on their own, exposed to the elements, not strong enough to survive alone. I've been thinking a lot recently about how our faith can survive and flourish, even when some of the things that we might have relied on have been stripped away. I've been thinking about how we can develop as disciples as we encounter darkness and difficulty. And one of the images in the Bible that I find most helpful is the image of the wilderness. Now, there's some settings and places that are repeated regularly throughout Scripture. There's the city with walls. We see this in the books of Joshua and Nehemiah. Jericho and Jerusalem are two examples. And usually walls signify safety and significance. Another picture that's repeated through Scripture is the picture of the vineyard. Some of Jesus' parables and pictures point towards this. And usually it's pointing towards things like abundance and fruitfulness and growth. Another picture in scripture is the sea, Noah and the flood, Moses and the Red Sea, the disciples in the boat. And in these situations, the sea represents chaos, danger and division. And often we see how God brings calmness to the chaos and rescue the danger. And perhaps one of these Picture summarizes your situation right now. The need for safety, the desire for abundance, the need for calm in the midst of chaos. But the wilderness, the wilderness is another place that's repeated again and again throughout the pages of scripture. Now the wilderness doesn't have the safety of the city or the fruitfulness of the vineyards, but is mostly a hard and difficult place for all those who are found there. However, while the wilderness is a hard and desolate place in the Bible, it's often one of the most common places where people meet with God. Abraham, called by God there. Hagar, dumped there, feeling abandoned with an unwanted child, meets God. The people of Israel wander for 40 years, but it becomes a place where they learn about God. Elijah hears the whisper of God in the wilderness when feeling in despair. John the Baptist chose to live in the wilderness and Jesus Christ entered the wilderness right before his public ministry. And then here in Exodus chapter 3, Moses 
meets God in the wilderness at a burning bush. You see, the Bible is full of these examples of wilderness and it constantly presents the wilderness as the place where people meet with God and a place where he gives them a new way forward. And so as we explore Exodus chapter 3 today, I want to discover and discuss and explore with you how the wilderness was a place of preparation of leaving behind Moses' old self. It was a place of formation to become someone new and it was a place of transition to move into a new reality. So preparation. I guess before we think about what happened to Moses in the wilderness and with the burning bush, it's helpful to consider why Moses had retreated to the wilderness in the first place. We see why in chapter 2. In verse 12, in a fit of rage, he kills one of the Egyptians. But the next verse is also telling. It says, The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Effectively, Moses' own people didn't want to follow his lead. And that was a reality check for him. Because then in the next verse, we see Pharaoh wanting to kill him. And so Moses flees for his life and flees from his life in the palace to begin living in the obscure land of Midian. What a contrast from the palace to the wilderness. And we're told he is there for a long period of time and that he ends up tending sheep, living as a foreigner, marrying Zipporah and living with his in-laws, which perhaps is the biggest wilderness of all for me. But that's where we find him at the start of Exodus chapter 3. We find Moses tending the flock of his father-in-law. And yet this became the very place where God met with him and called him. Here, alone, in a wild and desolate place, God appears to Moses from the flames of a bush. Unexpected, yes. Unlikely, yes. Abandoned and overlooked, no. God uses the wilderness to prepare his people. And perhaps the best encounters we might have with God aren't in the highs of the mountain, but rather in the depths of the valley, where we begin to leave behind some of the old realities that we might cling to for comfort and strength. Mark Sayers, in a book called Reappearing Church, writes this, Before the rains of renewal come, the soil must be broken up and turned over so that it can be ready to receive. And perhaps this year doesn't feel like it's been a time of abundance, fruitfulness or growth. But perhaps God can use the wilderness to break things and turn over the soil in our lives so that we can be ready to receive some fresh input and insight from him. In your wilderness, spiritual or physical, in your current difficulties or darkness, begin to see God afresh. Embrace this moment as an opportunity to leave behind your old self and prepare your heart and life for a new chapter as you walk with Jesus. Maybe this is a time of preparation. But secondly, God also uses the wilderness as a place of formation to shape his people into something and someone new. For Moses, God used the wilderness to give him a new vision of who he was, 
I am who I am, he tells Moses. He was revealing more of his heart and his character to Moses. But also in the wilderness, God gives Moses a new confidence in the task that he was calling him to. Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say, God told him. You see, Moses received a fresh vision of God and a new confidence in his calling. And he didn't receive this confidence or this revelation on the top of a mountain, but in the depths of the valley in the wilderness. What if? What if we were most formed by the way that we learn to follow God through the darkness and difficulties of life? The wilderness is a place of opportunity and preparation. You see, if we were to pull a a caterpillar out of its cocoon, it might sound like that would be a helpful thing to do, but actually it would kill it. And it might seem like maybe it would help it get free, but actually what forms the butterfly is the struggle to break out of its cocoon. So what if at times we find ourselves in the wilderness or moments where God wants to teach us something? What if the wilderness becomes the place where we meet God? Perhaps the danger isn't that we find ourselves in the wilderness, but maybe the real danger is that perhaps we find it so uncomfortable that we run the other way from it. But by running from it, we shortcut our ability to meet God. I know this year has been hard for many of you as you watch this. In different ways, obviously there's been the anxiety of a virus, the disruption to the normal patterns of life, the frustration of being disconnected from loved ones, the changes in our works, in our workplaces, the dealing with ongoing restrictions, the changed nature even of church, and the uncertainty of the path ahead. But what if we changed our perspective from just wanting this whole thing to be over, to instead seeking God to meet us in a fresh way in this period of uncertainty, anxiety, disconnection and wilderness? How might God wanting to form, be wanting to form us or prepare us in this time? Because it seems to me that when people meet with God, even in the wilderness, their struggles get transformed into something new and they learn to see things from God's perspective New dreams, new possibilities, new ideas, new strength, new callings. This is what happened to Moses at the burning bush, as God used that moment to form him, form him into someone new. Someone who wasn't restricted by his past, someone who wasn't limited by his inabilities, and someone who saw a fresh vision of the God he served. How we need that in these days. So how can we be people who don't freak out in this time or flee from God, but instead have the nerve to dwell in the wilderness and ask God to meet them here? Author Brené Brown writes about the wilderness. She says this, You'll be shocked by how many people live out there, thriving, dancing, creating, celebrating and, and belonging. It's not void of flourishing. The walk out there is hard but there is life. And so finally, I would love you to see how the wilderness is an in-between space normally used by God to prepare significant leaders for what's about to come in their lives. 
It's a place of transition. Abraham sent to a new land. Moses being sent to address Pharaoh. The Israelites being prepared for the promised land. And Jesus on the verge of beginning his public ministry. In all of these situations, God used the wilderness to move his people into a new territory. So what if in this season we began to look for ways that God is moving us into new territory? New territory in how we prayed and studied the Bible. New territory in how we trusted God and relied on him. New territory in our boldness and our courage. New territory in how we connect with our neighbours. New territory in how we disciple our families and do mission as a church. New territory in our creativity as we dreamt up new possibilities. Even though the wilderness may be hard, an important thing to note from the Bible is that it doesn't last forever. It's consistently used as an in-between place before something new. And Abraham would become a father to the nations. Moses was about to become the leader of the Israelites. The Israelites were about to inhabit the promised land and Jesus' ministry would go on to flourish and develop. So while the wilderness is an important picture for us, it's not an eternal one, but rather it's always to take God's people into what's coming next. And to help us see that, I want to finish by pointing us towards verse 2 of Exodus 3. In many ways, it's the verse that caught me most as I prepared. Though the bush was in fire, it did not burn up. I read this verse again last week and wondered if this could be a picture of our time. A bush on fire in the wilderness, yet it wasn't consumed. It might feel that we have been scorched or seared in these days. We might even get to moments where we feel that the flames have engulfed us. But we will not be consumed. I guess it's hard not to think of Daniel's three friends and that image of God walking with them in their fire. Who even though they walked through the fire were not destroyed. And we can take confidence that even if or when we walk through the fire, we will not be destroyed. That burning bush is actually a key image within our church. But actually, it's the motive that I find brilliant. Ardennes said, Veerance. What does it mean? Burning, yet flourishing. May this be true of you, of your faith, of your ministry, of your church in these days. Burning, yet flourishing. Walking through the flames, but not destroyed. If this period of your life is less a fruitful harvest and more a desolate wilderness, then may you encounter afresh the God who can use this time as a, prep, as a place of preparation, formation and transition. Amen.